I'd like to invite you to open up a copy of God's Word to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. We'll continue with a series from the book of Genesis. And while you are looking for the passage, Genesis 22. I remember many moons ago when we uh, discovered that Raquel was pregnant for the first time. That thought that it was just like mind-blowing to know that I was already a father, even though Danny was uh, still unknown to us. We didn't know whether it was boy or girl, but he was there in Raquel's womb. And it was indeed great, great news and when we saw that pregnancy test come out positive, I couldn't believe it. I was just 23 or so back, back in that time, 23, 24. Then I learned a few years later that uh, we were expecting again and uh, that was Annette and the real test began. And then test number three. And then test number four, and then not yet test number five yet. We don't know, but we shall see. Time will tell. (laughs) Tests, tests, tests. Last year, we heard a lot about tests with a pandemic and uh, people take tests to know whether uh, they're expecting But today we will be looking at a different kind of test that the Bible tells us about. God testing Abraham. And you see, God tests believers. God does not tempt Christians. Satan tempts us to sin. But when God tests Christians, when God tests his saints... It leads to sacrificial obedience and that leads to the glory of God. God tests. God tests. And so from today's passage in Genesis 22, I would like us to consider Abraham, the father of faith. Here in verse 1, we read that he was tested. Look there at verse 1, it says, And After these things, God tested Abraham. Now, before we look at the test, which we will be dwelling in just a moment more. Notice it says, after these things. What does it mean after these things? After what things? Well, in order to understand what things is referring to, based on what will be said shortly... It's clear that we ought to consider what happened right back from Genesis chapter 12. Everything that happened between chapter 12 to chapter 21 is these things. Back in chapter 12, God called Abraham, a pagan man, to move from the land where he was at and to go to another land unknown to him. To go to the promised land and Abraham took his stuff and his people, and he went on. But the scripture tells us that God called him to live his kindred, but then we see him taking Lot with him. He's believed, but he's sort of 
didn't fully trust. You see, his faith was not yet complete. And then he spent some time in Egypt. He landed in Egypt because of a famine. And then in Egypt, he lies. He says his wife is his sister. Why? Because she was beautiful. And he feared that he would be killed for his wife. And so he lies. No much faith there. And then after Lot is separated from him, chapter 12, we see then in Genesis 15, that he is wondering which is going to, who is going to be my heir. And so he looks about and he sees his, his servant, Eliezer, and says, Lord, is this going to be my heir? You've promised you would give me a, a child, but nothing yet. And then God appears to him in the form of a smoking fire pot and a, 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 a flaming fire or flaming torch appears to him and ratifies the promise by cutting a covenant and appears to him and says, I will give you a child, not Eliezer, I will give you a child, the child of the promise is coming soon. But then what happened in chapter 16, shortly after that promise, Abraham listens to his wife and his wife says, well, I'm not becoming pregnant and I am not getting any younger. So how about my servant, Hagar? And so Abraham, all right, and goes on. And we all know how that finished, don't we? He had a child with Hagar, not the child of the promise. And sadly, the consequences of those actions, which he did with that, not, not by faith, led to a big, sharp rivalry between these two nations. Even to this day, we see the effects of that rivalry between these two nations. And then chapter 21, we see the opening verses of chapter 21. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And then again, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And then for a third time, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which he had spoken to him. In other words, despite Abraham's lack of faith, despite Abraham's stubbornness and up and down faith, God kept his promises. And suddenly, Sarah in her very old age, becomes pregnant and has a child, the child of the promise. And so now chapter 22 begins with, after these things, now that God had kept his promise, after these things, God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham. To test means to prove by trial. Abraham enters into a period of trial. What will he do? What will happen? Look at there in verse 1 again. After these things God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son. Your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him, who? 
your son, your only son, whom you love. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took his two young men with him and his son Isaac. Who is Isaac? His son, his only son, whom he loves. And cut the word for the burnt offering, verse 3, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Verse 4. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Verse 5. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, I and the boy. Who is the boy? Isaac, his son, his only son, whom he loves says, I and the boy will go over there and worship. Pay attention, he says, and come again to you. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Abraham is sure and certain That he will return with the child. The child of the promise. How does he know this? Experience. He was graduating of the, uh, uh, within the, the course of faith. Experience had told him. He knew that the same God who caused his wife to be with child, an old woman... Is the same God who would indeed bring the child back even from death. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 19 says he, Abraham, considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. For which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham knew as he went on that God, even if he took his life, the child's life, God would bring him back to life because he was the son of the promise. And so he went on. I can't understand your ways, Lord. I don't understand what, what, what this is or how it will be. But I trust you who have spoken to me. Abraham knew by personal experience, past tests, that God keeps his promises. And now he faces the test of tests. And he passes the test of tests with flying colors. I remember when I was just a little boy, my dad would tell me a story of a man who would go with, a flo with his flock and a donkey. And he would take the sheep onto pasture greens and they would go through a road. And the road had a um, ditch. And when the man passed with the flock, the flock just spread across and the donkey went and donk into the ditch. The man grabs the donkey and brings him out of the ditch and carries on on his way. And on the way back, guess what happens? The flock go around the ditch and what happens to the donkey? What do you think will happen to the donkey? He falls in the ditch once again. And so the man grabs the donkey and brings him out and carries on his journey. 
Next day, comes back, the flocks uh, go around the ditch, and the donkey falls down again in the ditch. But the man knew, he knew, the donkey will learn. He got him out on the way back again. But a few days later, ah, this was a clever donkey. As they went by, as he was coming across to this ditch, the donkey saw the ditch and went around. Well, a few weeks later, uh, there were some renovations in the village and suddenly they filled the ditch with concrete. And so the man passes by again with the flock and the flock just carry on and the donkey stops and he goes around. Even though the ditch was filled. Why? Experience. Experience had told the donkey that if you cross that line, you'll get a thump. Experience. Abraham was an experienced man. When it came to exercising faith, the father of faith knew by experience that God keeps his promises. You see, in the course of life, you may be tested. Your faith may be tested and you may go donk. But as time passes, you become stronger and stronger. Experience in knowing that God keeps his promises will enable us to pass the test of faith. And every believer passes through the test of faith. The test. Every Christian. This is why the Bible tells us in the book of James, in the very opening chapter, it says, verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith Produces steadfastness. You persevere. And let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete. Lacking in nothing. And then verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. And then if you skip a few pages in 1 Peter chapter 1, again, we see that the Christians go through trials. It says there. In him you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that, listen to this, trials have this purpose. So that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revealing of Jesus Christ. Tests prove our faith. It shows that our faith is real and it causes our faith to grow. It's like lifting up weights. 
when you, when you take a certain weight and you start lifting them up and down, up and down, suddenly your, your muscles hurt the next day. Why? Because at a microscopic level, your, your, your muscles become torn, micro, micro tears they're called. And when that happens, the next day it, it doubles in size. And so as you carry on in a few days' time, you become bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, some of you who pump iron would know that that's how it works, through pain. And because there's pain, there's gain. And if there's no pain, they say there's no gain. And likewise, in trials, we go through trials, tests, and they make us stronger and stronger. But how will we pass the test? Just like Abraham. By trusting, by experience, knowing that God's promises will come to pass. What will you do when the test knocks on your door? What will you do when you're driving to work and someone suddenly cuts in front of you and you're like, and what will you do in that moment? Will you just give in to the rage and tell the person what he will even die of? Or will you exercise the fruit of the Spirit, which is called patience, and perhaps even treat them as you would have them treat you? What will you do when that one child presses your buttons and you're like, oh? What will you do when you receive a fatal diagnosis by the doctor telling you that you've got a few days to leave? What will you do when you manage to have riches in your hands? Will you be driven by the love of money or will you liberally, graciously, mercifully, joyfully give as well? What will you do if the stock market goes bust and you lose all your investment? What will you do if you lose your house and your property? What will you do if the war breaks out and suddenly we're threatened and we have an invasion from a foreign army on our land? What will you do when there is conflict between what the Bible teaches and what the government says? What will you do in those moments? Just a couple of weeks ago or a week or so ago, I heard that in Wales now, smacking is banned. What will you do if the ban comes our way? The Bible calls us to exercise and to use the rod in discipline, not in wrath, but in discipline. What will you do? What will we do? Daniel and I were talking yesterday about the uh, historically, what historians believe was the worst year in history. It is year 536. In year 536, uh, it's believed that there was an extreme weather. They don't know exactly how it originated. They think that it could have been an eruption from a volcano. But a thick layer covered the, the land or the, the earth. And, and suddenly there was no sunlight. And if there's no sunlight, then the crops were dying. No sunlight, no crops, no vitamin D, no heat, no food. 
die. People started dying by pests because there were no vitamin D and there was a huge, huge um, catastrophe throughout all the earth. What if the looming war leads to severe food shortages? Joe Biden said that they're, they're expecting food shortages even in our land because of the severe um, sanctions that they have placed on Russia that we will also have a knock-on effect on our own side. Now, now, not only that, but we have not to forget that in COVID time, we borrowed loads of money and inflation goes up. So all these things added together, what will we do when these things happen? What will we do if the World Economics Forum's desire for a digital ID, which we're seeking to bring through health passports, becomes food rationing passports? What will we do if the government decides to seize the bank accounts of those who oppose whatever narrative or whatever thing the government says, like it happened to the truckers in Canada? What will we do? Well, one thing is for sure, my dear friends, we could be here talking about the what if and what if and what if and end up in a very bad place. But you know what? We may not know what if, hap- what will happen tomorrow, but we know that the Lord knows all things and controls all things. The what ifs may surprise us and come suddenly to us, but nothing surprises God. The Lord God who created the heavens and the earth will care for his people. And for that reason, we shall trust him. For he keeps his people. For he who made the heavens and the earth and who feeds the birds of the sky will also feed his people. The Lord God, even even if death were to strike us, There is hope in Jesus Christ the Lord. For not even death will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Satan may tempt us to despair. But God will provide a way out. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. Upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My dear friends, God's testing is good. Don't fight it. Trust him. God's testing will come. Expect it. God's testing is good. It will make you stronger in your faith. But the second thing I'd like us to see from this passage is that not only the, uh, 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 our faith will get stronger, but our faith, through those times of testing, will also reveal something else. They will reveal, reveal the fear of God. Let us continue reading from verse 6. And, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, Remember a few verses before how he called Isaac? His son, his only son, the one he loves. And he took his hand, sorry, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they were both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, 
But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. Verse 9. And they came to the place of which God had told him. Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son, verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, verse 12, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Abraham was tested and now he knew that he feared God. But notice what's missing on the next verse. It says, seeing, so verse 12 again, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. What is missing? Your son, your only son whom you love. And now the author of Genesis, he brings your son, your only son from me. In other words, his love was fully on the Lord. On the Lord God. He no longer had split loyalties. He passed the test. The Lord was his Lord. And he loved him. To fear God means, according to this verse, it says there, again, I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son. To fear God means to withhold nothing from God. It is to love God more than anything in this world. For an unbeliever to fear God is to dread God's judgment. To, to fear God, the consequence eternal for one's wicked actions. But the believer in Jesus Christ does not fear God in that way. When the Bible refers that a believer fears God, it refers to the Christian reverencing God. Having reverence towards God is a, is a reverent fear towards God, a respect to God. It is a, 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 a obeying God. It is when the believer submits to God. It is when the believer worships God. In the Bible, to fear God is to order oneself under God in adoration, in obedience. Proverbs tells us that the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom, but those who fear God long for wisdom. This is why the Bible says, rebuke a fool and he will hate you. Rebuke a wise person and he will love you. Why? Because the wise man knows he's a broken man. He needs to be more like the Lord. Abraham's test reveals 
a stronger faith on one hand, but Abraham's faith also reveals a fear towards God. And the fear of God brings glory to God. And so God stops the situation and provides an escape, provides a ram. Look at verse 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. He passed the test. He had his son back as he knew God would. Then verse 15, we read, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, Now this is the very last time where God is speaking directly to Abraham. It's quite important. Very last time. He says, By myself I have sworn. God now declares and affirms with with an oath. Declares the Lord. Because you have done these and have not withheld your son, your only son, verse 17, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. In other words, Abraham no longer had split loyalties. Abraham was a mature man in his faith. Abraham loved God. And look at verse 19. So Abraham returned to his young men. There's no mention of the son. There's no mention of Isaac. Doesn't mean he was left behind. The author doesn't mention him. Why? Because Abraham loves God. So Abraham returned to his young men And they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived in Beersheba. Let me ask you, my dear brothers and sisters, what kind of things do you hold back from God? What if you lost would make you feel that life is not worth living? Elsa. Very sad, isn't it? That would be very sad, wouldn't it? It would make us very sad. But think about it. What if you lost would make you feel that life is not worth living? Now, a few weeks ago, someone, or months ago, actually, uh, someone answered that question uh, like young Elsa and said, my children. I would feel that life is not worth living if I lost my children. Then I asked the question again. What if you lost would make you feel that life is not worth living? And someone else answered, my phone. (laughs) What if you lost would make you feel that life is not worth living? Whatever your answer to that question is, reveals the heart reveals what you worship, reveals what you love. And there is a danger that that is an idol in your life. Whatever your answer to that question is. You see, my brothers and sisters, God hates split loyalties. And we may be going through a time of difficulty so that 
Our love towards the Lord may grow and grow and our split loyalties may fade away. He created us for His glory. And when we give glory to another rather than God, when we give glory and love to someone else, whether it be a pet or whether it be a family member or whether it be an object, when we give anything that should be given to God, we don't glorify God. So God will discipline us. Why? Because he loves his children. Because he loves us. And God wants the best of us. The best for us and everyone else around us. Is for us to love God more than anything around in this world. That is the best thing for us and for others. Think about that. If we love God above all things then the things around in this world will not cause us to feel as if our life is not worth living when we lose them. The best thing for my wife this Mother's Day is not for her husband to love her more than anything in the world or for her children to love her more than anything in the world. That would be the worst. Because if we love one's mother or wife more than anything in the world and they suddenly turn because of sin... And we will feel angry and raging. Or oh, what, if, what if we lose them and we feel that life is not worth living? But if we love God more than anything else, then we are enabled to love self-sacrificially as God wants us to love towards others around us. When a husband loves his wife in light of the gospel, meaning that he loves Christ more than anything else, then he will be willing to self-sacrificially live for his wife, even if she turns and sins against him and cheats on him. He would love her still. And he'd be willing to forgive her still when Christ is all. And likewise with our children. Likewise with anything around us. So my dear brothers and sisters, expect the test. Expect to be tested. It will come. God loves us and it will come. Fear God. Expect the test and fear God. And I'll close with verse 14. Go back to verse 14, which I skipped. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. You see, my dear friends, the Lord provided and escape. The Lord provided the scapegoat or provided the ram. And that points us to the coming of Jesus Christ, whom God provided. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so Isaac pictures Christ and the, the ram pictures Christ, which replaces or is replaced by the ram. Christ Jesus took our place and died for us sinners for his glory. Now, you might sometimes feel overwhelmed with the tests of life. You might sometimes feel that you you can't handle the 
difficulties, the trouble, the anguish, the, the pain, perhaps even the, the temptation with lo- to love the, the, the riches or, or wealth or well-being. And, 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 and you feel sometimes that you cannot handle that, those tests of life. You might feel that you might be missing the mark. You might feel that you're messing things up over and over again. You might feel that you're struggling to love God above all things, frustrated because of the fickleness of your own heart. You're not alone. I'm there as well. You might feel frustrated. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. Fix your eyes on Christ. Remember that we are made right with God, not by our performance, but we are made right with God because of what Christ has done for us. So we are perfectly justified before the eyes of God by grace through faith. So when we see Jesus, his perfect life is credited to us. And so we will not feel frustrated, but on the contrary, it will drive us to our knees to say, Lord, make me to be the person you want of me. When you feel those times of affliction, go and turn your eyes on Jesus Christ and the Lord will give you grace to live the life for his glory. We're not saved by works, but we are saved for good works. And as we look at Jesus Christ, the Lord, we will walk and we will live in a way that honours him. As adopted children, we enjoy the rights and privileges that belong to Christ Jesus, they're ours by grace through faith. And that faith as he matures through the trials and the difficulties and the pressure and the difficulty and pain leads us to imitate Christ Jesus in self-sacrificial obedience in the fear of God. Believers, expect the test and fear God. For his glory. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this reminder from chapter 22 of Genesis that you test the saints. You test your people through the sin within, through the sin of others, through affliction, through bad news, even, Lord, through blessings, you test your people, Lord. Father, we pray that as we go through the test of life, Lord, that you may enable us to do your will. Satan, Lord, will seek to tempt us to sin. But, Father, we pray that you may... Help us and enable us to obey you and love you as we fix our eyes on Christ by your grace. Father, enable us to be the people you want of us for the glory and praise of your name. So, Lord, we give you thanks in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let us sing.